Okay. Curtis, you know, tell us where we are and what we're doing. Just kind of set the scene. I don't know what we're doing, but we're sitting uh, down by the creek on our property on a blanket K-bot in, Mar in uh, Egypt. My guest this week is Curtis Calloway, Senior Lecturer of Journalism, Public Relations, and New Media at Baylor University, where he teaches courses on media photography and video journalism. Curtis has been at Baylor since 2009, and before that, he worked as a documentary, commercial, editorial, and underwater photographer and cinematographer for clients including NOAA Center for Coastal Fisheries and Habitat Research and the National Marine Sanctuaries, Florida Fish and Wildlife Research Institute, Jean-Michel Cousteau Productions, Smithsonian Institute, Sony Records, Clear Channel, Philips, and Samsung. Curtis's work has won Best Documentary in the 25th Milano International FICTS Festival in Milan, Italy. He's won the Audience Award in the Deep Ellum Film Festival, in addition to an enumerative amount of awards and accomplishments. Curtis is also into traveling, fly fishing, scuba diving, spending time with family and friends, and working on his ranch outside of Waco, Texas. That's actually where I conducted this interview with Curtis, out by a creek on his and his wife Kay's ranch near Clifton, Texas. I hope you'll enjoy this interview. It was incredibly fun to do, and I couldn't think of a more fun person to do it with. In addition to this interview, you can also read the Baylor Line Foundation profile on Curtis Calloway that was published uh, a few years ago that we are republishing as an ebook. You can get that at baylorline.com slash Calloway. Here's my interview with the Curtis Calloway. So a couple of years ago, I did an article on you. And so it was, if I remember right, how it kind of came about was Craig, who was my predecessor as editor, went to Bob Darden and said, who are the most interesting professors on campus? And Bob said, well, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And he said, and, and if I remember right, he said, but if I was gonna tell you the one that you should do next, it's Curtis Calloway. Hmm. Thank and, you, Bob. <laughs> um, and Craig, I think he came to me and he said, do you know Curtis? And I said, yeah, offices next to Carol. I mean, I see him all the time. I've never had him as a professor. And Craig said, do you want to do an article on him? And I said, yeah, sure. That's, that sounds fun. Um, and you and I talked about it, like, maybe a couple times of just like, hey, you know, be up for an interview kind of thing. And then finally, like, we got serious about it. And I, and I said... I want to do an article on you for Baylor Line. And do you remember what you said to me? Mm. As the editor-in-chief now, it hurts a little bit more than it did back then. But I said, do you want to do an article for Baylor Line? And you said, what's that? <laughs> and um, so we so we set up an interview, and it was in Castwall. And I had been reading all of these because I'd, I'd actually never done this was my first profile like I'd never done a profile ever before I'd always done like spend six months with a topic write you know a historical narrative kind of thing about it 
So I was your guinea pig. I, you were my guinea pig, yeah. So I knew I knew I could probably mess up on you and not get in too much trouble. Um, but so I went back and I read all of these <laughs> profiles by like writers or in publications that I really respected. Um, and then I read a book on interviewing and profiling, you know, things like that. And the thing that the that the profile that the, the that the author said was, uh, you do a first interview to kind of get a lay of the land, and then you do a bunch of interviews to help you fill in the gaps, and then you do a final interview or possibly two with the source to fill in everything out and kind of make sure everything is is correct and double check everything. That's when you do your fact checking, basically, and you try to get like the the longer stories now that you know a little bit more. So you and I did an interview in Castlewall, mm -hmm. and then I did a bunch of interviews with your students, and then y'all went somewhere. And I don't remember where y'all went, but it would have been like the summer of maybe like 2018. Uh, it doesn't matter where you went, but you kind of <coughs> disappeared right on like deadline. <laughs> um, and so I, I I worked with what I had, um, and we ran the article, uh, and it's, I mean, still to this day, it's one of my favorite things that I ever wrote. Like it's, it's, my mom said that's the best article she's seen written of me. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so <laughs> we There are... haven't been that many. <laughs> <laughs> I found several of them. Uh, one in the, the magazine in Mansfield. Uh, the article title was called, like, the secret spot or something like that. It was with you and your brother. That was the documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was the title? Was it the secret spot? The secret spot. It's secret spot. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I couldn't remember. Um, but anyways, so we are we're republishing it as an audiobook because it's one of it's it's you know I, it may be a little narcissistic, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, and so we're republishing it. So I so I wanted to do just a little conversation with you on what what life is like as the rest of the story like that story was much more about like your formativeness and it was about like kind of why you are who you are and I'm much more interested in the the non-photographer Curtis like that like that was all about like who headline Curtis is Curtis is you know, the, the professor of record in the journalism department for new media students. You know, Curtis is the, the mentor to students who really want to be somebody in, in this world. Curtis is, you know, um, every single person that I interviewed said, talked about your smile and about how you just, you know, kind of like infect a room. I kind of want to talk about more of the, like, who is Curtis when he's not being the photographer? Because that's what everybody's asked me about. Is like, well, what is, you know, you, you can't always be a photographer. What does Curtis do when he's at home? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Wow. I'm still outdoors all the time. Yeah. So working on the farm... So you moved out to Clifton in 2014? The one year, what was the accident? 15? Yeah, 2015. Okay, yeah. So 2015, and let me put it this way. One of the neighbors 
who grew up out here, yeah. across the road from us, uh, said, I've seen more in one year than he's seen in a lifetime right here on this, in this area. Why is that? Because I'm outside all the time. What are you doing when you're outside? I'm usually with a camera. Yeah. But also hunting. Yeah. Well, that's Carol. Carol said it really well. Curtis has has uh, two modes: with a camera or wishing he had it. Yeah, that happens a lot. So even out on like even out on your own property. Oh, so the. What are you pointing at? The, there's a tree covered in butterflies, several trees covered in butterflies as we speak, and I don't have my camera. And you're in the latter position. And, and Kay, Kay asked me, are you going to bring a camera? And I said no. <laughs> and I should always listen to Kay. That, that's, I just haven't learned that yet. I should always listen to Kay. Kay, how long have you lived on this property? This, goodness. Um... I've lived here for 33 years, yeah. but I didn't grow up here. This is my grandparents' farm. Yeah. So I grew up coming here all my life, mm -hmm. off and on. But I grew up in city, Houston, yeah. and lived in Austin, different places. But yeah, so, I love becoming a hick. Yeah. So even even though like this is like your family, like this is kind of like your 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 place. Do you feel like you know it more ever since y'all have lived out here versus when it was family or when you lived out here? Absolutely. Um, my younger daughter was born in Clifton, yeah. so and my older daughter was a year old when we moved up here. So the whole time I'd lived here, um, until they went to college and then grew up, my focus was on my kids. Yeah. It was on the farm, and I love being in a rural area, so I taught them about rattlesnakes, taught them about cows, taught them some stuff, but my life was about the girls and their growing up. Sure. And it wasn't until then... Uh, I was single and then even met Curtis because I'd lived here by myself for 10 years, but to go outside and see things through his eyes, it's its like seeing the whole world in a beautiful way. Why do you think that is? That's one of his gifts. It, it just is. I, I like being a spotter when I know what to look for, <laughs> but he is the one that sees things and then teaches me about them. And it's just that joy. God made this world, and it's it's everywhere. But most of us get too busy, like me, with our businesses or our jobs, and we don't focus on the joy of what is around us. And Curtis helps me do that. Where do you think that comes from, Curtis? My grandmother on my mother's side. She was always taking us outdoors. She lived up in the Ozarks. And we were always, when we'd go there on family vacations, we were always outside. And she would take us on nature hikes. She'd set up easels. And she would paint. set up easels yeah. and faces all in different directions and say, paint what you see. And uh, Do you still have any of those? No. <laughs> no. Um, and then on my dad's side, we had property in Oklahoma, and we were always hunting and fishing when we'd go on vacations up there. Yeah. And so we were always outside. Yeah. And even when we lived in Arlington, we were always outside. Yeah. Uh, we were the other football team. You know, there were five of us, so when somebody wanted to play football, they'd come to our house for the rest of the team. Yeah. And we were always willing, and we were out until my mom blew a whistle for dinner. <laughs> and we'd usually hear it as far away as we were. So, yeah. yeah. 
because it was a stick that fell. Hey, Michael, could you cut that part out? I thought a snake was back there. <laughs> I, you, you were getting ready to hear me run. Could be deer, <laughs> could be hog, could be anything out here. So what, so, so you've got, you've got the, the professor gig, you've got the photography gig. What is, like, what's the, what's the farm gig like? Like, when we were on our way out here, you were saying, I just shredded that yesterday. Like, went through with a brush hog and shredded that. Like, what's, what's that look like? Um, there's always something to do here that. Yeah. to work on whether it's fixing fences I have to fix the water gap right down at the end of this creek yeah. uh, we're doing that tomorrow shredding um, always checking on cattle especially at the other property that's 10 minutes from here we're not always there so we got to go by and check on them and, yeah um, did you see yourself ever being that person did you see yourself being a cattle or a fix it or a mow it kind of person I never thought I'd be driving a big old tractor. <laughs> uh, that was new. Yeah. Um, but I I knew I would somehow end up with land mm -hmm. at some point because we've always had it in our family, and one way or another I was going to be living on some property and um, I've just always been outdoors. So there's there's always things to work on. Yeah. I took up welding because there's so many things that need to be fixed yeah. and. So now I'm already working on some projects, building stuff, just for for fun, but also necessities. Stands for our beehives. Uh, where we had them, they were all falling apart, so I had to build some new stands for them. So that's been a huge project. Had you had you ever done beekeeping before this? No, no. no. Uh, my brother is, got no, me. No, no, that's that's so wild to me. Cause like, cause like the when you first told me about that y'all were gonna do beekeeping, it I, I would have one hundred percent believed you if you had told me, yeah, I used to keep bees years ago, and now I'm gonna do it again out at the farm because you were just so confident about it, like an ex maybe it was excitement and confidence, like like I, I don't know what it is, but it's like it's it's like newness, newness and Curtis are like in the same hey. and I, I, just, I just can't believe that you'd never like like you just went let's do some bees well with the farm it makes sense yeah uh, pollination and there are feral bees all over the place here yeah uh, you can stick a box in a tree and you'll have bees yeah in no time I've got three swarm boxes full right now sitting yeah. out by the barns um, and it's it's just it made sense for everything we're trying to do here mm -hmm. and you know sustainability yeah is big but if i don't know how to do it i'll figure it out mm -hmm. or i'll find someone that can teach me and it i'm not the type to go oh well that looks hard yeah or that's too much trouble yeah and walk away from it i see it as a challenge and it's always exciting it's so what if new. what if I am what if I am that person that's oh that's hard or that's new or that's you know uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna make me look a little embarrassed or foolish at the beginning of it what if I am that person what are some things that I can do to not to, to be more Curtis like I would say suck capable. it up Buttercup suck it up Buttercup <laughs> no it, it's uh you just 
here mm -hmm. with land you have to figure it out yeah and or find someone that's done it before and knows how to do it yeah and it's it's like uh my brother-in-law craig's uh craig k's brother is conversations with him always start out with let me save you some trouble or let me save you some money because uh, he's done it before yeah uh, there's several people that I call and he's the main one and he's really good at you know he can tell me what doesn't work yeah <laughs> uh, through his mistakes yeah or he can tell me who to talk to that might know and so that you always got to have somebody to call. Yeah. You know, you got to have a mentor. Yeah. I've got lots of mentors. That's and I've heard it, I've heard it's always said you got to have somebody ahead of you, somebody behind you and somebody beside you. Yes. Yes. She's beside me. <laughs> so not related to this, but kind of related. Last year the funniest thing happened where we all just kind of had to stay wherever we were for a very extended period of time. You know, whether you were in an apartment or on land or just at a house or wherever. And y'all are like the travel bugs that I know. You know, I mean, y'all, we, we were just talking about this. Y'all have been to Africa twice in the past month and a half. You know, what, two, so two questions, and it's for both of you. What was it like to be all of a sudden, and I guess the best term for it is landlocked, to be people who were always going, always traveling, here, there, here, there, what was it like to all of a sudden be landlocked, and then what do you think you learned from that differentness, from that slowerness than all the traveling? Because well, as, as somebody who travels a lot, somebody who loves to travel, yeah. you pick up something new every minimum one thing new every time you travel what did what was the thing you picked up not traveling life really didn't change for us because we live on a good sized property yeah. and we're away from the cities yeah so it wasn't really an issue other than jumping on a plane going somewhere, but yeah. of course, Kay, being the creative person she is, says, how about dog sledding in Minnesota? Yeah. And this is before the big storm hit here in Texas. Yeah. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we could drive there. There were still some hotels were open. We were still able to go up there and do it. Um, so we found ways yeah and we bought some kayaks to start kayaking locally around here things we could do yeah and not have to worry about it and we could find all of that out here so so what do you think so so do you think that the pace of life slowed not much I wouldn't say it slowed much. It was I mean, just different. Yeah, the pace of life was different. A little bit. Slower, a little bit. But, but you know, we yeah. didn't even have problems with, uh, you know, everybody hoarding things at the grocery store. Sure, yeah. We didn't go to the grocery store unless we wanted something. Yeah. 
We didn't I, I, need I remember, anything. I remember talking to, to, to you, Kate, at the very beginning, and just the Brookshire's up the road. Yeah. It, it never... It never ran out of anything because, you know, everybody around here was just a little bit less in the the bubble, I guess we could call it. Um, the rural areas are usually more accustomed yeah. to s surviving for each other, you know, yeah. helping if they're gardening and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it happens everywhere, but we just were blessed not to have to <laughs> deal with yeah. all that. We just, our hearts went out to people that did. That we sure. had the easy way and for us no we didn't quote get to travel beyond our country but we love our country we love yeah. our own state we love where we live yeah so in a weird way you just see to appreciate what you what you have instead of just going somewhere else and seeing it all yeah. it's like what just every evening we try to sit out on the back of the house and watch the sun go down in the mornings into the morning watch is the that sun why come those up. chairs are there <laughs> the chairs on both sides. Oh my sides. gosh, I was wondering that. Why oh, those yeah. two chairs were right. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. So it's coffee in the morning and wine at night. Or yeah. however it works out. Yeah. We, we kind of did that. At, at New Year's, there was that like a little bit of flare of, of virus, of, of cases. Um, <coughs> and we decided instead of you know going somewhere, instead of doing something, instead of all the, the hassle of travel and the worry of it, we just blew up an air mattress and put it on the living room floor and uh, pretended we were camping out. Like, it, like it, that was that was the, that was our New yeah. Year's vacation. And that was but it's just something as much different. fun. Yeah, it was, exactly. di it was different, yeah. It's yeah. outside of well, your comfort zone. And yeah. that's what people need. You witnessed part of it with us. When I was working on our other property, I was out shredding with yeah. the tractor. Yeah, this was in like April. Yeah, and Kay brought a little picnic and you got, you and Rachel joined us and yeah. we sat out there until dark. Way past Way past and dark. Then Kay, I mean, and we... then Kay yelled at the coyotes <laughs> and we heard the owls. Oh, yeah. 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 So that that's our life. Yeah. If we're not traveling. Yeah. And I'm not at Baylor teaching. We're out doing those sort of things. Sure. You know, work sure. and then meet up. Yeah. So, so speaking <laughs> speaking of Baylor teaching, um, your your class is so like physical and in person. What was it like to all of a sudden have to like be limited in that? I know I know nobody likes it, but but this is this is one of the topics that I'm so interested in is is the resiliency of humanity and how people like you know like like our our friend Bob you know. Um, whose idea it was for me to do the article. Bob, I mean, Bob was resilient in a very, very fun way when it came to his 300-seat class. You know, I, I mean, so I, I'm so interested in how professors who have such a unique and unfortunate role in the middle of a pandemic, how did you respond to that? <laughs> Bob and I had several conversations yeah. about it. And <laughs> He, he was not happy. Uh, neither one of us were happy about it because it, it I've was, yet to meet anyone who was happy. Yeah, just just yeah. to put that on the record. Uh, I think there were professors that were because they didn't have to come into the office and uh, they could just work from their house. But <clears throat> anyway, I... As not a professor, I will say I enjoyed being able to get up in pajama pants and go to work. Yeah. Like, so, so I'll vouch for those professors as well. It's kind of yeah. nice. I mean, there was it was nice... Not having to get up and drive because it's a sure. forty-minute drive 40 minute, for me, yeah. and uh, saved a lot of gas money. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, it, it was... And spent it on diesel fuel for the tractor yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was... It was challenging because it's a hands-on craft. Yeah. Photography, you've got a... And there are online classes out there, but I would never, ever want to put anybody through an online class in photography. It's a hands-on craft. you got to be there. Yeah. Um, there's always questions in the field. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a challenge. Uh, we did what we had to do. I knew we would, you know, make it work. Uh, it was not my best semester by any means yeah. uh the first one when we shut down but uh the like the spring of 2020 like that second half because we broke it it was that uh, first half that happened when we were off for spring break and that's when we yeah, got the notice guess back. what yeah. you're teaching yeah. online now yeah with a three-day uh, notice or something like that, that was yeah. the hardest the following one was probably the worst one because students checked out yeah they they just it, it became difficult because students just yeah. started checking out. And then the following, it really the, the semester after that when I did face-to-face -face yeah. and they just wouldn't show up class. They would expect it to be online at that point and think, well, I don't have to show up to class. So I quit posting things on Canvas so that they had to show up or contact me. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit of a challenge. It was frustrating, but we got through it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Face to face. So on Back to normal. On on websites like BU Books and Rate My Professor, you constantly have one of the highest scores. I do. Yeah, you do. Seriously. And like uh, I haven't looked. Uh, like um, the the previous chair of the department, Sarah Stone told me that she can remember, she could remember, and this was her last year, her last full year as chair, um, she told me that she could remember one legitimate critical uh, student evaluation. Some of them, some of them did say, like, this wasn't the class for me, but Professor Calloway gave me grace and understood that, like, yeah. he knew that I wasn't a photographer, I was there for a credit, but she can remember one, but but on BU Books, on Rate My Professor, on websites like that, you you consistently are one of the higher rated professors. Hmm. To have that perspective of you are really good at your craft, and some students just aren't interested in it. How do you how do you teach students who are they're not photographers? there for because in the journalism department you have to take the class you've got to take photo one whether it's with you or baker um how is it that you can have students who are there for a credit and really uninterested and also students who they want to make this their life that they're obsessed with, and, and how is it that you can have both of those kinds of students rate so incredibly high and have just a phenomenal experience whether it's something they want to do for the rest of their life or something they're doing for 16 weeks. Well, I think they know coming into it whether they're in it or not. Some don't and realize they love it. Sure, that's about uh, them. I yeah. want to know about you. Like, what? Why? Why is it that you can do that? That I can teach both. Sure. Yeah. Um, that, well, not only that yeah. you can teach both, but, but that you can make both. Of, I mean, honestly, like, 
love and respect you as no. a professor. It's it's not that they walk away with a love and respect for the craft of photography, but I think because it's not ju I'm not just teaching photography. I'm teaching life, and the first time I walked into the classroom and started talking and looking around the room, I realized how much influence I have on these kids. They were hanging on every word. And it was kind of scary yeah. the first time. Yeah. And, but that's when I realized, well, hey, I can help these kids and I can, you know, hopefully influence them in a positive way and give them some life lessons along the way. And it's, it's continued on that way and, and I, I see it and I, I can tell immediately when a student's not interested. Yeah. They're in there for a quick easy grade and and I'll tell them up front you know you don't I have students that don't have a creative bone in their body but if they give me a hundred percent they're gonna do fine in the class. Yeah. And I think I mean it's photography it's it's a class most people are going to enjoy and I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> what? what just, I, I just, you're so humble. Explain how most of your students are girls, female. Yeah, the majority. And you've of had them, yeah. several of their fathers thank you for being their father while they're there. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. He's been. Oh yeah, I've had. At I've weddings had, lately, and things like that. I've had, He's never even met the father, and the father comes up to him. And says thank you for being her father. Well, that's I'm how he there. affects these girls yeah. too. Yeah, they because they're that's, sending. That's what their, the dad is saying. Thank you for being the father when I'm when, when I'm, I'm not there, not physically there. Yeah. Yeah, and because, so many students say, "God, you sound like my dad." I'm like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> and I've got kids. You know, I get it, and it's it's one of those things. I mean, I look at these kids as my own. Yeah. Uh, if I send them off to college. The things they're going through and I mean I was the best man in one of my students yeah. weddings yeah. and which was that was kind of bizarre when I, I got that invite but it's that you know but not but not bizarre in a no in no no surprising way no it, it's bizarre is in a, a first experience kind of yeah way. Yeah. yeah and that I mean knowing, knowing Robbie I I don't know another person like that because Robbie and I were in school at the exact same time. Yeah. I don't know another person that he would have asked. And it, yeah, and it was just, when I thought about it, it's like, well, we're on the phone all the time. Yeah. We're working on some projects together, and yeah, I okay, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was I, it was quite the honor. It's, it's pretty amazing that one of my students... Ask me to oh, be the oh, best. To all, the to all, from the student side, to all of us that were also students with Robbie, yeah. it was in no way weird. Yeah. It was, you know, like that, that made sense. Like yeah. that was like a, it was like a, oh, duh, you know, well, kind yeah. of like response. Yeah. And so there are students like Robbie, and then there are students like, um, like, like uh, Shahan. Yeah. Right? Not a photographer. Not interested in being a photographer. He took your class. He speaks very highly of you and the class itself. And then there's a there, there's there's those two categories, and then there's a third category, which is the me. He never had you as a professor. But and here we are friends. But, but you 
still impacted my life. There are those three people, right, that you impacted their lives in different ways. To me, this is kind of like my theory, do you really see yourself as a professor when you are being a professor? Or do you just see that as like the paycheck? And not necessarily the paycheck, but the 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 job title. Because every single person that I talked to, when I talked to them about this article from a couple of years ago, different walks of life all of them. Colleagues, bosses, former bosses like Clark Baker, um, students, ex-students like me, wannabe students, they all talked about you like you were the same person. Not like you were a professor, a colleague, a subordinate, a friend. You know, why do you think that is? I'm just me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I, I honestly... I, I don't know. Uh, it's just... I treat everybody with the same respect. I give everybody a chance, more chances than many, um, and I, I just, I treat all people with respect, and, what? and even some of his students, any student of his, if they have a question after they've graduated, after yeah. being a professor is over with as far yeah. as all that, they can still call him 24-7 yeah. about yeah. photography or about personal. He's just a friend of life. For them. I mean, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Drew said. Is, is Drew basically said at one point, I'd, I'd call Curtis about a photography question and also about a life question. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't differentiate. Not what most professors pull off, though, and that's my that's my curiosity behind it. That's my like intense obsession with figuring it out. Is how how do you do that, and why do you do that? I don't know how I do it. I just well, even I, you invite some out here, like when the, taking pictures. Yeah, we, we well, get a photo well, shoot well, right but, here. But, but also, but also. You invite some out just for dinner. Mm -hmm. I've been out here with students when you just invited them out for dinner. Nothing else. That's different. I'd invite them all if I could fit them, but <laughs> I don't have the room, and and I and I can't always invite everybody. So it, it's hard making that decision on who I invite. Yeah. And it it really comes down to those that are. I mean, you have people that walk in, they sit down, they take the class, and they walk off. Yeah. Those, the others that camp out in my office always asking questions, not just photography, but life questions. Those that are just in my face, I remember those names. And I tell everybody that. Those that are going to come and bug me are the ones that are going to get the most out of this class. Yeah. And it, it usually ends up being those people that are just always in my face. Sure. And, uh, you know, some of them kind of drive you nuts, but you love them to death. And, uh, you know, they're, you've got some of those that are just very forward and bold and always yeah. in your face. But 
I mean, it's funny, the different personalities and everything, but you, you know, love them all to death, and it, it's just, I, I want to help people. That's yeah. always been the way I was raised, and just treating other, you know, everybody with respect, giving everybody a chance, and, yeah. um, you know, if I can, if I can help somebody in any way, yeah. with just the smallest thing, whether it's, uh, you know, a personal problem, problem at college a problem with photography whatever it may be you know then I can then I've done my job and that's why I'm there I'm not there for the paycheck I I don't have to work there and yeah. I do it because I love teaching and I love the kids and it's it's fun it's very rewarding you know what I'm just remembering when, let's see, when we overlapped in Florence, y'all were like, y'all got there the evening before, and I was leaving the next day, and we overlapped. I am just now putting together. So, so we met right across from the Palazzo Vecchio at mm -hmm. this restaurant. Y'all were sitting outside. It was like a tent, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And then, and then we walked, we walked, you know, 30 yards to the Palazzo Vecchio and met our friend Stefano. Mm -hmm. The waiter that was there, the server, that I showed up at the end of y'all's, like, breakfast with the girls. And had, like, a coffee and we just kind of hung out until Stefano got there. The waiter that was there said thank you to you in more of a way than thanks, like see you later, kind of thing. He came over and said, like, thank you, and shook your hand. Do you remember this? Mm -mm. No, okay. Shook your hand. And I am just now remembering that in that moment, he walked away. You told me some of his life story. You told, oh, you know, like, he, like he's, uh, his, his daughter is studying, I think she was studying culinary, like, you know, he's like, you told me some of his life story. Hmm. And I'm just now putting together how default it is. Like, like how just interested in people, like accepting of people, like em em embracing and empowering of people you are. Like, I don't have a photographic bone in my body. And I'm very, like, happy and pleasant with that. I, I'm a writer and, like, a creative. It doesn't mean I have to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. But but I feel as encouraged by you as, like, those students that I went to school with that were your... You know, Stephen Covey talks about this in, his, in, in one of his books. Um, maybe it's not Stephen Covey. No, it's, it's Jim Collins. Jim Collins talks about how the best of in business have favorites and have favorites on purpose and unapologetically. And because it's on purpose and unapologetic, the rest of the people don't feel intimidated by the favorites. And I'm just now putting two and two together that that's how your students feel. They know that there are constances. Robbies, Danes, who are 
incredibly talented in the field that you choose or that maybe chose you. And then there are students like me who aren't in that field. There are students like, not even students, like even Rachel or, you know, some of your, some of your other students that you had that didn't go on to necessarily get a new media photography bent degree, but you changed their lives. If not change their lives, you impact their lives just as much. It's a, it's a default of treating people as extraordinarily themselves. <coughs> Where do you think that came from? Like having met your mother, I will say your mom treated me like I was the coolest person on earth. And I don't think that was at all because of who I am. I think that's because of who your mother is. Do you think that that kind oh. of came down the stream? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you look at my family, especially my mom's side of the family, very creative types. Um, yeah, I would say... Braggadociously also very East Texan. So, so I, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm very much a fan of that as an East Texan. Yep, yep. And uh, so, yeah, I would say... I would say yes. Uh, a lot of that came from them, and um, yeah. So when I mean, I've had I've had people walk in my office I've never met before, come in and say, "I was told I need to meet you, Jenna Willard." You know yeah, Jenna Willard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah comes in my office and said, I was told I need to meet you. And I'm going, okay, hi. And, and we started talking, and I knew we'd be lifelong friends after that. Just immediately. And we just talked right before the last trip. Uh, we talked. Because she was in Morocco right before we went to Morocco. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's just one of those, you know, there was the photography connection. Sure. And that's what made that happen but there was more to it than that it was just you know it, we clicked and but I've had I've had many students like that and I guess you know also I'm not going to deny anyone an opportunity to learn anything I had a student pull up in my office in a wheelchair barely had use of one hand yeah and he said and he goes, hi, I'm Tyler. Is there any reason why I couldn't take your photography class? I said, not that I can think of why. And he said, well, and he told me what his disabilities were. And I said, we can make it work. Yeah. And then he left my office and I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I get into? How do I do this? And I went to the art department. Yeah. And I went to the computer science department and said, okay, this is what I'm dealing with here. And this guy is not even work. officially a student yet. Like, he is not enrolled in your class. He just wants to be he enrolled He wants in your to class. take photography. And you're already, like, trekking across campus to figure out how, how this yeah. kid can get into your class. And this is my first year at Baylor. Oh, my gosh. And I went to Clark, and I went, what a... <laughs> okay, Baker. we got to figure this yeah. out. And we kind of brainstormed, and he said, talk to the art department. Somebody's got to do metal work. 
And then he said, then the computer science, we, you know, we kind of bounced around ideas yeah. and we said, okay. So I went to the art department, found someone who could, you know, build something to connect to his chair for the camera to sit on. Yeah. And then the computer science department sent three students over, genius kids. And they, they said, can we meet with him? So I had him come by and they sat down, they're looking at his chair. They're, they said, okay, you know, press on my hand. How much pressure can you use with that finger? And they said, okay. And they said, can we see the camera? And I showed them the camera and they said, can we take it with us? I said, yes. And they came back with a system where they strapped a Velcro belt to his leg with metal and then some leads that would attach from his fingers to the camera and he would just press and it would focus and fire. It was brilliant. And that was my, my most memorable moment at Baylor, was being able to figure out with students, yeah. other students and professors, how to make this work. How Where to this get kid into photography. could take photography. He's an awesome kid. We, we still stay in touch. And, uh, yeah. And he was taking photos better than other students. So, it was, yeah. And it, that was, that was the first year at Baylor. And I was just like, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be interesting. But we figured it out. We made it work. It worked beautifully. And that's when I thought, okay, I can take on any student. Oh, my gosh, it's the bees. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the bees. I just put, oh my gosh. It's a challenge. It's, it's, it's still the same thing. It's still a, you had never had a student before. It's your first year, like, at Baylor, not your first yeah. year teaching. You've been at, at MCC before this. Yeah. But it's still the same thing. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to tell him no. Yeah. I was going to find a way. And we were able to work it out. When I used to teach high school English in our little town. It's the first time I'd taught. I was a business person. My nature was business. And Dad Gum, you do it and you do it right and let's you know, I liked learning new things that I never taught other than my own daughters. And teaching though, it was a gift I'd never had. And I remember praying the first year I even taught. I was like, I don't know any of these kids. I don't know anything if I just help one kid this entire year, mm. it's worth my year of teaching. Yeah. And I prayed for each one of those kids, I could just see them like God sees them. And that's how Curtis does by nature too, more so than my nature probably. Um, it's just that, <laughs> it's just to really, if you meet that person, there's a reason. And they, you can help them somehow. And so that joy is just, even if you don't know how you help them, you just do the best you can do and roll with the flow. Okay. The coolest way that I can possibly think of to end this is in the article. We, talk, we talked about this earlier up at the house. Constance says that watching the two of you talk is one of the coolest things that she's seen. Because you, Kay, are hanging on every word that Curtis is saying. And Curtis, you're hanging on every word that she's saying. And the coolest way to end this time together is 
I, I'm a little selfish because I think this is one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. But also, any person that I have ever encountered who has heard this story who, or who I've watched hear this story goes away going, that's one of the coolest stories that I know. I want the story. I want the story of stories. Tell about how y'all met in jail. And then walk us through the part of... <coughs> there's In the ebook, it's alluded to it. Kay had a fall. She had a, a, you know, a traumatic brain injury. Curtis was there with her. Fill that in. Because I didn't feel confident enough when I wrote the article to fill that in. Because that's y'all's story. If y'all want to, fill it in. You want to start? They're looking at each other in the cutest way possible. (laughs) Well, we did meet in jail. Yes. And so that was fun (laughs) in its own unique way. And we clicked immediately as friends, like you would with anyone. It was just so easy. Um, But but we've got to tell how we met in jail, because they're still hanging on that one. (laughs) What? (laughs) (coughs) So, I guess I'll start from my side. Or you want to start? You go ahead. Okay, I'll start. start, start. This is the annoying part of King Curtis. (laughs) They don't want to interrupt each other. (laughs) Our little town, Clifton, had a little old concrete jail. I bought it from the town because I didn't want it demolished. And tried to figure out what to do, turn it into a tiny little hotel that will sleep only one or two people. I remodeled it, um, wanted it to be cool in the alley, and wanted to hire a photographer that could do it well for a website. And the young guys, one of them's an ex-Baylor student. The um, ad agency. The ad age, I hired as an ad agency for me. And they gave me two recommended photographers. I looked at both of them. A person, a friend, um, of mine had recommended that I date Curtis like six months before. I was not into dating. I finally looked at his website and thought, dang, he is a photographer. He has that gift. It's, it's art of its own kind, and he has it. And I, But I couldn't really tell what he looked like or what he was like personally other than a good smile he had with sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> And I went back and told her, hey, I would meet him for a drink sometime because he's got intelligence and ability, but she couldn't set us up anyway. And so anyway, I gave this young guy, said, well, check him out and see what he would charge. And then I found another one that I had liked because it all has to do with style, not anything negative. It's art. So I gave them those two people. They called both of them, came back with the numbers. Curtis was going to cost a little bit more, but not much than the girl I had recommended to. 
I thought, Dadgum, if I'm going to spend any money, then it'll be for him. So we were going to meet literally in the jail because we had talked on the phone. And I didn't know about photography, like how long it takes, all that kind of stuff. Go ahead. Okay, so my side of the story. <laughs> I got to, My father had an accountant he was using in Clifton. And I was looking for a new accountant. And uh, he recommended them, so I go to this accountant. Well, the assistant working for them, uh, I guess I gave my business card. Because did she give you a business card of mine? No. Just gave me your. Oh, uh, just email. contact info. Anyway, contact. Uh, I had gone in there and uh, consulted with them and whatnot. Well, months later, my dad calls me. He says, hey, I'm going to Clifton to see the accountant. Do you need me to drop anything off, tell him anything? And I said, I said, you know what, while you're there, I'd gotten this call from this ad agency about doing a shoot. And uh, I looked up the ad agency while I'm on the phone with them, and I, get, I like their work. I really want to work with these people. And they're telling me about the job, and I thought, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to cut them a deal because I want to do both. You know, I want to work with this agency, but I want to do this job. Yeah. And uh, I got the job. Had no idea. They said this woman re had recommended me or requested me. Had no idea who she was. Couldn't find any pictures of her. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And so anyway, I'd send my dad to take pictures of the cell block when he goes into town there. And he calls me back two hours later and he says, well, I got your photos. I said, great. He says, well, I got something else. I said, yeah. And he goes, you're being set up. I said, what? <laughs> He said, you're being set up. I said, what do you mean? He goes, on a date. And I thought, oh, no. And that's the last thing I want to do at the time. I wasn't interested. I was going to travel, go do things, and, you know, just see the world and whatnot. And uh, so, anyway, I show up for the shoot, and... You were parked in front of me. I pulled up behind you, and I'm looking around, and there's a girl across the street who was painting a mural down the alley. And I thought, no, she's too young. It can't be her. And I'm looking, and I'm going, okay, it's got to be, it's got to be this person in front of me. And uh, so I, I play the waiting game, and I, I, I let her get out first and walk down the alley. And I thought, okay, that's her. And then I follow. She's already in the cell block. So I walk in, so we actually met in jail, in the jail. So that's our joke. We met in jail, and, which is pretty funny at parties. So we meet, and her daughter's there, her oldest daughter, Melissa. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because she had her store. Yeah, because she had a boutique uh, right across the alley. I didn't know that. On the front yeah. side of the building there. Yeah. And so I meet her, and I'm just there to... The whole point of this meeting was logistics. Look at this yeah. place, take some pictures, discuss yeah. the shoot. And, oh, and by the way, she said, oh, well, afterwards we'll go to my restaurant. And I'm thinking small town Greasy Spoon restaurant. That was before I met him. Wrong. That's a business thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And uh, so I take some stills and whatnot. Well, then we go to the restaurant, and it's a nice restaurant. I'm going, okay, this is not what I expected. And, uh, and this is... This is it was Mitchell's Grill at the time. At the time, it was Mitchell's Grill, yeah. Yeah, it started yeah. a little. And, uh, well, she's got to get up and talk to people. She's got to make her rounds and whatnot. So I'm sitting there, and a couple walks up and says, Oh, are you all on a date? And I'm thinking, 
just met this woman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of a little awkward, but anyway, yeah. well then we scheduled the shoot <coughs> and it took a lot longer than expected because it's a very small space yeah. and it was very yeah. difficult to shoot in. Yeah. So Kay shows up for the shoot, the two of us are in there and we do the whole shoot. We're up till two in the morning because we finished the shoot and you know she has her own label of wine called the cell block, cell block yeah. and it's a bed and booze not a bed and breakfast yeah. and uh because it was the drunk tank back in the day yeah. it's from 1920s somewhere in there and uh so we're kind of hanging out and we're just sitting there talking and i said so i hear we're being set up on a date crickets it was dead silent. I'm thinking, okay, that's not happening. And she just goes, yeah. And that was it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's not happening. And uh, which I was okay with. Uh, she was very beautiful, but I, I just, I wasn't ready for it. Anyway, well, we do the sh shoot and then we got to meet up. Well, before that, one thing that you forgot was yes. the night he was doing all these pictures. He had some coolest ideas. And so, of course, we had to have open up the wine bottle, and we had to have some pictures of the wine being used. And then, if you go upstairs, I made it. There's a fire pit. Up, yeah. yeah, a fire pit up there, and yeah. so we had to have some of the whiskey you get yeah, the, also. By, by upstairs, you mean the top of the jail? Yes, roof. I turned that yeah, into an upstairs yeah. rooftop. Yeah. Yes. And so he took even pictures of us having some whiskey. Well, we needed. But not our faces, but our feet. Yeah. yeah. So it's our feet, and we're holding glasses with a yep. fire in front of us, and and so it was just a yeah. fun night on the second. We hit it night. off. Yeah. We hit it off. We had so much in common; it was scary. Yeah. And yeah, so then we, you were in town in Waco. I was working, and it happened to be the day I was dressed a little nicer than normal. I had a jacket. And I did just <coughs> happen to wear a dress that day to town. <laughs> so we ended up having dinner to talk. And it, it after that it was it was pretty much done. Yeah. We 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 just kind of hit it off from there, and then we started dating. And uh, so that was April. And then we met January the end of March, I think. But then yes, April, yeah. May. That's when all the because then I went on my trip. I was gone yeah. on a. Yeah, then she took Russia off and, and went to Russia and Mongolia and... 2014. 14. Yeah. Yes, when the cell block opened, yes. Yeah. So then we're dating and then uh, January... Well, you'd already said, you'd already told me that you'd love me and almost... And no, I, was, I hadn't told you that. Yeah, yeah, you had. Because you said... And I, I was very happy knowing. I said, <laughs> that was great. And he said, and I told him I loved him. And then you said, but I'm not going to get married. And what was my response? You said, good. Yeah, I knew this. I <laughs> and knew I thought, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're good. We're solid. <laughs> so we were solid mm -hmm. until we went on this trip with two of your students. So then we go to Big Bend with, yeah. with uh, my cousin Jody, who's a photographer. And we were staying at my cousin's husband's house there at Lajitas Resort. Yeah. And uh, a couple of days into it, there's a place, I had been there the year before with a student and my cousin, yeah. 
and there was this ravine I found. Now you're also there with the Robbie, Robbie who and Drew. A times. Drew, who's in the story. Yes. And Constance. No, Constance no. is there. No, she isn't there. No, no it's just Drew and Robbie. And they met us there. Oh, I thought there was a third. Okay. No. Okay. No, Jody. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Jody and Drew, or no, Jody and Robbie are in his truck ahead of us. Yeah. Drew's in the car, in the truck with Kay and I, and, and uh, we're heading to Santa Elena Canyon, yeah. and there's this place called Tough Canyon, and there's an overlook. Most people go to that side and look. Well, off to the left, it just looks kind of barren desert. There's a ravine, beautiful little switchback ravine in there we found the year before, and I wanted to do a photograph there. And I asked Drew, I said, hey, I want to show you something. So we pull over, and Jody and Robbie are heading on to Santa Elena, and I figured yep. they would eventually figure it out. We There's pulled no over. Service. And Jody had been there, so he knew where I, we were at. <coughs> so we go over there, and we're up above. You know, you walk up, you're on the top of the canyon looking down. Yep. And it's narrow. And I said, I want to do a photograph from below looking up with you jumping across. Yep. I said, but... Do not do this if you're uncomfortable. We're not doing it. And he jumps across. He goes, no problem. Okay. So, Kay and I, we go down below. And I'm, I take this picture. I'm taking these photos of him jumping across. Well, then Jody and Robbie show up. It takes a while. He has to walk. It takes a little while, around. but they show up. Yep. And Jody all of a sudden is laying down next to me where he's taking pictures too. And. Well, then Robbie's wanting to get a couple shots, and then I'm thinking, okay, this is getting, we're pushing it, we need to stop this, let's move on. Well, then Kay all of a sudden appears up top, and I'm thinking, nah, I said, Kay, this isn't a good idea. Well, of course, that was a challenge. No, 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 no. Yeah. I was already up there, because it wasn't room for you and Jody and me down there, and I was bored anyway at that point, so I walked up to the front where the guys are, and I'm watching them as they would jump, and yeah. I had a big brother. It's like, if, if he can do it dead gum, I can do it, you know? And yes, I knew they were 20 <laughs> and I was 50 something at the time, but still, I had already hey, paced myself. Your book, when you finish it, needs to be named Dead Gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's my curse word, I think. I know it. I know. Yep. Anyway. It describes this scene perfectly. It yeah. does. <laughs> because. I just saw it. I was watching this, like, and he and Curtis from down there said, and "I Jody, think that's enough." And Jody so the and guys had jumped, and they were going on. It's like, but I want to do it. And I heard Curtis down there say, "Okay, I don't think this is a good idea." And I didn't say that to you. I just, I just did that little. Yeah. Because it was like you don't know. Yeah. If I was, was if I was rude. standing next to her, she would have smacked me upside the head. No, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't. <laughs> anyway. uh, and so I was like thanks but no thanks so I went ahead and jumped and I remember jumping and I remember I got my right foot on there fine you made it across but my momentum was too slow and so what yeah. I did was I just froze and there's nothing to grab onto yeah and I remember this still this wasn't even dead gum my first thought was crud yeah because I knew I would fall there's nothing else to do and so I do not remember actually falling, but you were down at the bottom, and you took a picture of me jumping. Well, I got the picture of her jumping. Yes, I've which seen is it. on the label of which her on new wine. The label wine. of Sarah. Yes, and uh, I I took the picture because I thought, well, okay, take the picture. And as soon as I saw she was going to fall, I threw my camera and tried to catch her, yeah. and she fell right in front of me. 
is too far. Well, and so then, so then, so then Drew says, from watching, Drew yeah. says, he didn't, bam, he was there. Well, he didn't get yeah. to see it, thankfully. Well, well but, they this, were, but this is, I mean. He didn't were, see you hit the ground, yes, but thankfully, yes. He was watching it, but Drew, Drew says, bam, he was there. He yeah. was by her side. That, yes. And then here's, here's the quote. And he's never left that place. No. Oh. Oh, that's so perfect. And so a couple of the, so, so K-Falls. And, and, so, and I want, I want the rest of that. But, yeah. but like the, the longevity of this is from the fall to, I mean, honestly, the recovery. <coughs> yeah. Every person who has ever talked to me has said, you were uninterested in anything other than her recovery. You could have, I, I mean, your boss at the time told me he could have lost his jaw. Oh, she told me. Yeah. I've need to think about this. Multiple and colleagues told me he probably should have lost his job. Yeah. And they said if anybody else had done it, they would have lost their job. That's what I love about Baylor. Our department. They get it. They've been so supportive. They get it, yeah. Yeah. That there's it's not just you're you are not just you're not just a paycheck. You're a person. Yeah. You're you're not just a position. You're a person. Yeah. And Drew says it perfectly. Bam, he was there, and he never left that place. Well, when she fell, and she fell 20 feet. Yeah. She hit her head. We went back and tried to figure it out. We think she hit her head coming down mm -hmm. on the rock because she landed in the only patch of sand. Miracles began. That, that's, you know, probably miracle one. And I immediately, luckily, I was an EMT yeah. at one time. And I never knew that until all this. And uh, so I knew stabilize the head and the neck. Yeah. So I'm kneeling down, holding her head and neck, and she's on her side and her arm's up, on, one arm's up under her, her right arm. Yeah. And the other one's up on her chest. Yeah. And she's in this kind of a, a seizure uh, stroke state. And uh, so I'm talking to her. Had you ever, as an EMT, had you ever experienced anything like that? I, I've seen people have a stroke. And you've seen people have a seizure. And I've had seen people have, have you seizures. Have seen anybody that had that, like, overlap with uh, what's going on with Kay? No. Okay. And, um... So this was, yet again, I, a new thing, a different thing. Yeah, this was, this was all new to me, and... And you're just embracing it. Yeah. Okay. And I'm looking, you know, I'm just talking to her. And then finally, she just all of a sudden just locks onto me and looks up at me. Yes. And she can't talk. Yes. And I said, Kate, if you can understand me, tap your fingers twice. It takes more energy to tap twice. And she did. I said, okay, we're going to do a head-to-toe assessment. I need you to tell me if you're in pain. One tap is no pain. Two taps is pain. Me and then, meanwhile, like you, like Kay, you said earlier, there's no service in this place. No, right. But Robbie and Drew find the one place. Robbie's right service. above. Yes. Is I hear him on the phone, and yes. I looked at Jody, and I said, "Is he on the phone?" He goes, "Yeah, he's talking to EMS." And I thought, the one place mm, in we're the whole, the, well, the, even oh, you don't even get service. The police, yes, yeah. I mean the and uh, yeah. That's his case. That the miracles begin. Yeah. Yes, that was the other miracle. There's many. And so he's got EMS on the phone. Jody 
is right there and he remembered that I was an EMT. I didn't know that, he told me later, but he was. He said, I'm following your lead, you tell me what to do. And I said, okay. I had her neck and head stabilized. I said, you need to go down from the neck and start feeling for anything odd, you know, and uh, and if she feels pain, she's gonna tap twice. You know, we just kind of talk yeah. through it and he starts going through, yeah. just pressing everywhere. When we realized, I mean, it looked like her arm was broke, her nose was yeah. broke, you couldn't tell. And uh, so we went through the whole assessment, everything checked out, and I said, okay, we're gonna roll her over onto her back. So we rolled her over onto her back, and then she just kind of came out of the fog, and uh, then she was able to start talking. And she wanted to get up and walk out, and I said, okay, you're not going anywhere. You know, eyes are going two directions, bleeding from the nose, luckily not the ears. And uh, so EMS is on their way. Um, we're just trying to keep her stabilized. So it took two hours to get her out of the canyon. But I remember that was even with, by then, because I remember before they rolled me over, and I have that memory of not being able to talk, but him doing the fingers so I could do all that. And um, so I remember all that, and then rolling over, and I remember you asked if I could see. I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, because her eyes are going two directions. But I hadn't really realized that until he asked me more specifically what I could see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, but we were laughing. I, I just do not like attention when I'm hurt. Yeah. And so, but he was like, somebody's coming. And anyway, so we would laugh and just enjoy, but it did take quite a while. And you said, you remember? I'd rather walk out. No, you, no. you said, Curtis, you don't have to stay. Or, no, that was in Waco. Well, that was in Waco, but yeah. you said something else to yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, no, I'll get up in a minute. Just help me get up. But I knew right then I wasn't going to leave her sight. That's what Ever. he's told me, is when you... Say that again. I knew right then I would never leave her side. When? At that point. Ever. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, I, I just knew. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew I was not, I was never going to leave her side. And... So and, so, a, and, so and you sat a, so like you, that with my head for two and a half hours. No, so I was on so my you, knees. So, so you become... Cognizant yes. in the hospital. Oh, I, I, I know you're cognizant before this, but you're cognizant in the hospital. No. No, 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 no. I, I, I later. I, 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 Turn right, okay. right, much, right. much later. Much later. Yes. You become cognizant in the hospital. Yes. And there's some dude. We're oh. jumping that far in advance. Yeah. That you. That you. Because this is this is the. This is the part <laughs> that sinks hearts. This is the. You keep telling, and we're skipping a huge, like we're skipping. A oh, there's so many more chunks. miracles yeah, that happen, and, and yeah, so and, and and hours, days, even weeks that happen in between this and that. And you keep telling your family and the doctor about this guy. It, we well, were, she hadn't said anything yet. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were two weeks in San Antonio, and then they, after two weeks instead of months. They sent me up to Waco, and I was in the, um, oh, it's a... It was a rehab. Rehab hospital kind of thing in Waco, and I was there for a week. But as soon as we got to Waco, they took me up in ambulance, and I remember I still couldn't talk real well, and I couldn't write, and all that stuff. That was when I had my daughters make that sign for you <laughs> to put, to make, to write, thank you, Curtis, with a big heart on it. 
and they put it on the wall because I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> I had it on I had the no wall. idea. I walk in and I see this note up there thinking, oh, that's cute. <laughs> and it, so she could remember my, my name. My mind was still not working real yeah. well. So she had every chance to get out of this relationship. <laughs> Stop that. No, no. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> but that day then, my younger daughter, Andrea, went to the house to get some semi-clothes for me. And Melissa was staying there, and all I had was one card from my friend. I'd taught his wife, anyway, <coughs> a pastor who's down there, and he had written the card. And I asked her, as best as I could ask at the time, said, oh, yeah. I said, who's, who's that man's name? Who's the guy's name? And she said, she looked at me funny. She said, Will? Well, Will is the pastor. I said, no, not Will. I assumed he worked for Will, as people in big churches Will had do. come by Will had the hospital. Yeah. Um, did you already say that? Okay, I didn't think he had. So, Will was the only person, he came by, well, one other did, but he came by the hospital, and at that time they were letting people in all the way into her up to her room and I had never met the person before and he came by with a card and said a prayer with the girls and I was still in the room with Kay so when Kay was finally coherent they had showed her the card and told her that Will had come by he's yeah. a, a pastor and he's married to a family friend yeah. and uh, so now fast forward to Waco that's when she started asking. So the guy I'd seen, I knew wasn't Will, obviously. And I just wanted his name because I wanted to be able to tell him a thank you for coming by because he was always there. And Melissa just looked at me like, who? And I tried to explain the man who sat at the end of my feet. At the bed. At the bed, at the, at the end of the bed in the hospital because he was always there. And when the girls would come up, or when Curtis, Curtis always came up, he was there 24-7, yeah. or my brother would come up, he would kindly leave the room. When nobody else happened to be up at that second, he would come up, step up to me. He wasn't a touchy person. He didn't say anything goofy like, oh, you're going to be okay. That would annoy the crud out of me. <laughs> he was just like smiling and peaceful and said kind things. You know, it was just beautiful. And then he would leave. He wasn't. And I always remember, I could still describe him. And I need to have an artist sometimes draw him for me. Yeah. Because he wore the same thing. And I had no time frame during that time. And I wanted to say thank you. And I said, the guy who sat down there. And she looked at me and she said, nobody sat there. I said, yes, at the foot. And she said, there was a wall there. And that was when I knew it was an angel. And all my life, I've always wanted to see one and never have. And then I just said to God, I said, can I see him again? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I just knew it had to be. And that made sense why he was always so perfect for me. He just gave me love and reassurance and kindness that gave me privacy with the people I loved most that were there. And so I told Melissa, I said, I want to tell Andrea, I want to tell Curtis, I want to tell Craig, my brother, 
each one because I don't know if they'd seen me, you know. Because at at the time she was on blackout. Yeah. No one could come in after uh, a certain time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. so it was just the four of us in there. It was me, Craig. Melissa and Andrea. I stayed there 24-7. Craig would come in at night so I could sleep. Yeah. The girls would come in during the day. Just, just to clarify, you, your brother, and your two daughters. That's yes. it. Just, just Period. to clarify. That's okay. it. No yes. one else is allowed in the room yep. other than nurses and doctors. Yeah. So that's what made this more interesting. Well, then it, it made so much sense because, and I even remember, I wish I could have seen Craig's face when you told him, but... Uh, I was asleep, and I was in and out of sleep, and Craig was sitting next to the bed next to Kay. And she was still in a sea collar, so she couldn't look left or right very well. So she's staring at the foot of the bed most of the time. And whenever, you know, she would wake up, we would walk up to the side of the bed, hold her hand, talk to her and whatnot. So I remember vividly Craig saying, Kay, are you all right? Uh, and I sort of tuned in. Is she okay? And he's like, Kay, are you okay? Is everything all right? And he tells this story better. Yeah. But there were times where he would, he was kind of in and out of sleep too, sitting there next sure. to the bed. And, and she would be eyes wide open, staring at the foot of the bed. And she kind of looks at him like, yeah, shut up. Like, she's in a conversation. She's engaged in a conversation. And that's when when she told me, and all these things like that, and times when I would walk up to the bed, and she'd be staring straight at the foot of the bed, it all made sense. Yeah. And that's when it, it just it clicked. I'm thinking, oh, my God. that's Because when she's telling me the story about this other guy, I'm going, what guy? There's no other guy in the room. And that that's when it all made sense. And it doesn't surprise me. I've never prayed so much in my life. That whole time from the accident, me driving from Alpine, Texas to San Antonio, um, I've never prayed so much in my life. And that and your life pretty much says it all. And going to, and originally you were going to, where was she originally going to? Are you talking about uh, when they were going to care flight her out? Yeah. Well, they three care flights were canceled because of weather. There was yeah. a big storm. She was originally going to, they were going to send her to El Paso. Yeah. And, I mean, they put her on the ambulance and were driving. I can't remember where they were driving to. And they were going to meet an ambulance halfway that was going to yeah. then drive her to an airport to fly her there. Because then the, girl, the and, girls are going to one place and then all of a sudden they're... Yeah, the girls are trying to coordinate getting to where she's going to be, and they yeah. made their plans. Well, then it got canceled, yeah. turned around, came back, brought her back to the hospital, and then they were going to fly her to Lubbock. Yeah. And my cousin, Jody, who was there throughout this whole thing, he's a retired air traffic controller. Yeah. So he knows pilots, and he was about to call in a favor. And he went into the doctor, and he saw the doctor had a weather map up on his computer that is aviation. Yeah. And he thought, okay, this guy is a pilot or something. And Jody was about to call and tell him, hey, I've got some people. We're yeah. going to start calling. He said, no, I've got it. Yeah. And he was able to get a flight from 
uh, what's the little town? Alpine. No, not Alpine. We had to drive you to, I don't even remember, but they got a flight to San Antonio, yeah. which worked out beautifully. Yeah. Everything, it was a great hospital. Uh, the nurses there were perfect. Mm -hmm. I cannot say enough nice things about them. They were great. And it, it, everything just worked out really well. And there's so many other stories. So many other miracles that happened from, you know, two different police officers pointing a radar at me as I'm going 120 over the hill and they flagged me on to keep moving and didn't pull me over. I mean, there's so many little things that just added up. Well, and and it, when I did get to Waco, though, and you had come in that morning. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's when I arrived, the morning kind of lunch time, whatever it was. And you came that. in and you just, because you drove up and you said, okay, he said, I'm sorry, I have to go teach now. I said, but I'll be back as soon as I can. And I was just like, and I had no time frame, yeah. but I was like, you yeah. don't, I'm yeah. in a hospital. Take a break. You got to do your job. You know, I couldn't say all that. But you I was like, you, you don't, don't have, have to, come, to back. come back. And what'd you say? I said, I don't remember exactly <laughs> what did I say. I, said, I said, I'm never leaving. I, I, I'm never leaving. Yeah. Just like, and with that look on his face, like, don't you know that? And I remember at that time is when I realized my heart could trust him. And that sounds corny, but uh, I had had so many walls up that I really don't think, we were in love already, but I don't think we would have ever gone further because I was too worried. And, um, and that way I knew I could trust him. I trusted him already with my life, you know? And he wasn't going to leave me. And then the other, gosh, other miracles about the visions I saw, and I won't go into all that, but the one where, um, where I saw God, you know? And I told, I was excited. I saw him, it was outside. It's kind of like a place like this, just out in nature, and I just saw him. You can't describe him. It wasn't like Jesus. It wasn't a body, human body, but it was it was this huge, beautiful face, smiling and just gold and brilliant. And um, I just told him I was smiling because I've never been afraid to die. And I just smiled. I said, I'm coming home. And I tried to walk towards him, and I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh, I said, I want to say thank you because <laughs> I was just raised. That's what you know you should do and and so I started telling him thank you for my daughters first each one of them that they're adult they don't need me anymore and each one knew God you know and then I said thank you for my parents and even though my dad had dementia but thank you for each one of them being my father being my mother and thank you for Craig being my brother you know because I knew he'd been there and he's always my big bubba you know and then thank you for Curtis, because he was someone that had been with me and someone I loved. And then I tried to walk again. And you're still stuck. And I'm still stuck. And that's when God says to me, he's still smiling, but he says, it's not your time. And my face just dropped. I didn't cry, but my face just dropped. And I was like, okay, God, just teach me what I still need to learn and let me be who I'm supposed to be. And then that's all I remember after that. But that's why no matter what I lost, whether it be my writing, my reading, my speaking, my arm, my leg, 
so much of my body, no matter what, half of my <laughs> brain skull, I never ask for anything back because it's like, this is a new journey and this is the new me. And as a kid becoming an adult in a different way, I still want to see the beauty that he has everywhere. And it, it makes me appreciate everything even more, especially even my husband. Now you're getting all sappy. <laughs> I learned to cry a lot now, too, <laughs> and laugh about it, too. I you don't mind. Have. I don't mind. I've learned more about the brain than I ever cared to know. <laughs> <clears throat> that, that was, that's, uh, that's Curtis, and that's who he is. He was that to even everybody all his life in many ways. But that's how I fell in love with him, too, and beyond love just forever, a gift to me.